I loved his ending statement. Sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we cannot see. Amen. Begin to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2, as we kick off this morning's message called Frozen Tracks, as we are in a series called The Polar Express at TWBC and Luke, chapter number 2, verse number 1, is where we're going to kick this morning's message off, and we hope that you were able to hand out your golden tickets last week to people in your life that you want to encounter Christ and pray that those are effective, and even some of you are here this morning and we want to say welcome to TWBC. If you would like some more of these to hand out to your friends to bring to our Christmas Sunday, which is next Sunday. Christmas Sunday is always the Sunday before Christmas. And so next Sunday, December 22nd, is Christmas Sunday for us at TWBC. And so grab some more of these tickets. Bring your friends to all three Christmas services on Christmas Sunday. And they're going to be at 8.30, 10 a.m. and 11.30 uh, as well. And then we also have our Christmas Eve service that it's going to be awesome. It's going to be from eight, start at 8 o'clock on the 24th here at TWBC, and we have some awesome things planned for that service. We got uh, train rides for the kids that'll be here. We're going to have the snow that you see this morning. Aren't you glad it's snowing when you drove up this morning? Ain't that pretty awesome? Can y'all give Pastor Jeff a hand clap of praise for, for him making it snow in Texas when it's literally almost 68 degrees outside for the high today? Only Pastor Jeff can make it snow where there shouldn't be any snow. Amen. So he did an amazing job with that, and we're excited. I got a text during first service. And somebody from our, our city texted me and says, is it really snowing at your church? I didn't really respond. I'm just going to let the curiosity get to him until about 1 o'clock when I, when I leave today. Then I'll probably respond. And so, so we hope you're enjoying this series at the Way Bible Church, the Polar Express at TWBC. We're adding new elements each and every week. And so can we give our, our audiovisual people a hand clap of praise for the amazing job that they're doing uh, as well? And as you're turning in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2, I want to say thank you guys so much for your prayer and support last week as I flew out Monday evening at 6 o'clock for Africa, and I landed last night at 6 o'clock from Africa, so it was a crazy trip around the world in, in, in about seven days, but God did some uh, amazing things. And on this flag, you're going to see the signatures of many of the, the people who were at the church planting conference that we did in, in Togo, Africa, and these are the names of people who have, who have uh, decided that God's called them to plant churches in their nation and the surrounding nations and we had over 336 people come to this conference that we were able to equip with church planting uh, skills and tools and they're going to go out next year within the next uh, calendar year and plant a church and see God move in their city, in their region, in the surrounding nations. And thank you at TWBC. So you have just been a part of churches getting planted around the world. In fact, we're believing for more than 336 churches to be planted. As many of these people will plant multiple churches. So can you guys give yourselves an awesome hand clap of praise for being a part of a church that's seeing God move around the world and also right here at home. And also besides the 336 that were at the conference for church planting, we did have an additional a crusade every single night of the week that we were there and over 300 commitments were made for people being born again and making Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of their life. Amen. Give God a good hand clap of praise on that. And those aren't speculative numbers. Those are actual decision cards that we got. That people wrote their name and their phone number and their address down saying, I made Christ Lord of my life. And we have church planters in that region now that can start churches and plant churches and equip them and get them immediately plugged in to the body of Christ. And so we're believing for great fruit to be seen from this trip. And thank you for being a part of, of, of missions around the world as well as missions across the street. And many people said, why are you coming back so quick? And, and, I, and my answer is this, I believe in world missions but not at the expense of forsaking local missions. 
I believe in preaching the gospel around the world, and I love preaching the gospel around the world. But what, what good is it if you gain the whole world, but we lose our own city? And we don't win our city to Christ. We have six counties in this area. You got Hopkins County and five surrounding counties where over 100,000 people live in our six county area. And can I tell you, there's more than enough people to fill this church 100 times over and still not have room for everybody who needs an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to challenge you over the next week to invite somebody to our Christmas services, invite somebody to our Christmas Eve services, and all you got to do is bring them and let God begin to do the work in them and see what he can do with you. And also, I want you to put on your calendar Sunday, January 5th. We kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting at TWBC, and that's always a favorite uh, of my time of the year as we, we, we commit the first uh, 21 days, starting with the first Sunday of the year, to God to see what he would do in our church in the year 2020. And so he's got some amazing things planned. And as you found in your Bible, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 1, we just saw a video, and the video clip that we saw, we know this it's not the start of the movie but it's also not the destination of the movie and so we know that frozen tracks happen in the middle of the journey that we just saw and so my question is this morning it is in the middle of the movie where the chaos happens it's in the middle of the movie where the adversity happens it's in the middle of this movie when the conductor's talents and skills are put to the test and can I tell you it's the same way with your life it's the middle of your life where the chaos happens it's the middle of your life where the adversity happens. It's the middle of your life when your marriage is put to the test, when your skills and talents and abilities are put to the test, and you're wondering, we know it's not the start, but we also know it's not the end, but what do we do with all the stuff that happens in the middle? What do we do with everything that happens in the middle? I'm not at the start of my marriage. We were married 17 years ago. I'm definitely not at the end of our marriage where we're retired on a beach in Fiji. Come on, somebody. But we're in the middle of life trying to raise two amazing boys. And what do we do with the chaos, the adversity? What do we do with all the stuff that happens in the middle? And what do you do when you don't know what the outcome is going to look like? You're in the middle of something in your life. It could be something good. It could be something chaotic. It could be something crazy. It could be something just kind of normal that you don't know how it's going to turn out. But you know you're not at the beginning, and you know you're not at the ending. And so I want to begin to ask you in your life, when we are in the middle, will we trust him with the outcome even though we're still in the process? And I started every one of these messages with a question, and this message is no different. The question for today is, will we trust him with the outcome even though we are still in the process and you've heard me say this if you've been here for any length of time that we serve the God of the miracles but the God of miracles is also the God of the process so can we trust him Alex with the outcome when we're still in the middle of the process what are you going to do with the process of life that you're going through because most of your life isn't at the start of something and it's not at the finish of something. It's figuring out how to deal with the chaos in the middle called the process of life. And Mary and Joseph are no different. In Luke chapter number 2, verse number 1, the Bible says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. And, a, and Excuse me. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be registered. And this was the first registration while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. 
And when all went to be registered, each went to his own hometown. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were with child, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And when we are in the middle, will we trust him with the outcome, even though we are still in the process? And listen, faith isn't for the arrival at the destination. Faith is what gets you to the destination. Faith isn't for the arrival at the destination. Faith, Brandon, is what gets you through the process to the destination. And if faith isn't for the arrival at the destination, but it's for the continuing to get you to the de- destination, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this story a little bit different. Because there's a verse of scripture right in the middle of this whole story, and it's verse number four, and it talks about Mary and Joseph, and they went from Galilee to a place called Bethlehem, but in those 23 words of verse number 4 that say, that say this, and Joseph went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. In those 23 words that take us 10 seconds to read, it was literally a four or five day time period and a journey that Mary and Joseph went on. And the journey from Galilee to Bethlehem was a 90 mile journey. And listen, today if you're pregnant and you're in your third trimester, doctors won't even let you fly, much less get on a donkey and ride it 90 miles. Come on, somebody. And so can I tell you, this must not have been a pleasant journey for Joseph. He's taking a pregnant wife on a 90-mile journey on a donkey with a child that isn't even his. Come on, somebody. Some of you are on a journey dealing with problems that you didn't start. Come on, let's do this. You're in the middle of chaos and you don't even know why you're there. But you're doing this because you know that the God of the miracle is also the God of the process. And on this four or five day journey, listen to this, it was 90 miles. And it tracks through the valley of Jezreel. How many of y'all ever been through a valley in your life? You ever been going through something? And then when they get through the valley of Jezreel, and they, 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 they go across or even along the Jordan Valley through the Judean desert. Now, how many of you know that when you come out of a valley sometimes, you're expecting to come out of the valley and look at a place called the Oasis because you just went through the valley? But Richard, sometimes when you come out of a valley, you look for an oasis, but all you see is the desert, right? You trusted him through the valley, Only to get to the top to think you're at the other side to see a desert of dryness. And you wonder what God is doing. And so they went through the valley of Jezreel. And through through some people would say they would cross the Jordan and go through the Jordan Valley through the Judean desert. And finally reaching the uphill trek to Jerusalem. It's not not good enough to just get through the desert. But then you got to go up to Jerusalem. And when you get through Jerusalem you still got to go a little bit farther You're still not done to a place called Bethlehem. And when you finally get to the place where you're supposed to be, you arrive a little bit late and there's no place for you even though you're where you're supposed to be. Am I the only one that this sounds like the story of your life? 
Come on, somebody. You've been through valleys. You've been through deserts. You've been uphill, and you finally get to your destination. And when you finally get there, you can't find a place there. But you know God called you to be there. And so you got to go to the outskirts of the city because there's no room for you in the inn. Can you trust him with the outcome even though you're still going through the process? And I want to talk about that just a little bit this morning because there's a moment in the middle. Everybody say, I need my moment. In the middle of everything, there's a moment. And in the middle of all of this, there was a moment for Mary and Joseph. But in the middle of it all, there's always a moment no matter what you're going through. In the middle of any movie that you watch, there's a moment. If it's a romantic movie, there's that moment when the two people look. All y'all Hallmark ladies out there, you've seen it a billion times. You know, right? They start at what, 20 days before Thanksgiving? They start at July 4th, right? Come on. I mean, we pop fireworks and we get ready for Hallmark movies for Christmas, you know? And this lady goes to the country from the big city and she meets this guy who is, has a child and, and, you know, it's like, oh. There's a moment in every movie where the romantic, oh, happens. There's a moment in every action movie. And it's not necessarily exactly in the middle. It could be towards the end. When you see the fight getting tough and you don't know who's going to win and the outcome looks bleak and you don't know where there's going to be a way out, but finally something happens and you, and you feel a shift on the inside and you say, there's fixing to be a breakthrough in some area and you recognize the moment. Come on, somebody. I just about, I've been on a plane for 30 hours. I've watched romantic movies. I've watched action movies. I, I've watched them all in the last 30 hours. Come on, somebody. And in every movie, there's this moment of something's going to take place, and it, and it begins to change. In the middle of every sporting game, there is a moment, whether it's basketball or football, or, or even if it's golf, there's that one shot, you know, that it's the moment everything begins to turn, right? If you're playing basketball, there, basketball is amazing for momentum, and you got this moment where a block shot happens or a critical miss happens or something crazy goes on. Somebody gets a, a crazy dunk and he's like, ooh, something, something shifted, right? And something happens. Like, like, I don't know, this. you may not like this, but I like this. I like MMA fighting, right? I like watching MMA fights. And, and you'll notice in any MMA fight, there's that one hit that everything changes in the moment and it just comes across and, and, and it changes in the moment and he's stunned and then the, the beat down happens. Okay, some of y'all don't like me liking MMA. I'm just saying. I like my sports. You can like your sports. But, but you get what I'm talking about. Unless it's last night and the judges made horrendous decisions. and, and Right? But there's a moment in everything when something shifts. And in that moment you got to ask yourself the question, not if there is a moment, but will I recognize the moment? See, some of us are so caught up in our circumstance, we're missing the moment that God wants to use to create a movement to get you into the momentum of heaven, to get you to the outcome of your journey. So i got to start with this. Paul, will you recognize the moment, or will you let the moment pass you by? The question is not if there is a moment. But will you recognize the moment? And it matters from where you see the moment. If you look at your life from the circumstances of your life, you'll stay critical about the current situation that you're in. If you look at your life from the current circumstances of your life, 
you'll stay critical about the current situation that you're in. For some of you, I haven't got there yet, but I've heard if you've had teenagers, right, that you'll go through some critical times and circumstances in your life, and if you look at it from your circumstances, come on, parents of teenagers, am I telling the truth? Right? If you look at it from the circumstances of your life, you'll miss what God is trying to do in your life. If you are going through a financial struggle and you stay looking at it from your current situation and you only see things from your current perspective of your financial situation, you'll stay critical about your current situation. I believe this is truly why God said this, that we have been seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places far above all the circumstances that you're going through because it's to your advantage to get his vantage point over your current situation that you're going through. Okay, I'm going to say that again because some of y'all really need to get a different vantage point of your marriage. Come on, somebody. I mean, let's get real, real quick. In the middle where the chaos happens, right? Men that at the beginning of a message, but when I bring up the chaos of a marriage, right? Does some of y'all's marriage look like the two um, engineers in, in the train, right? Right? You, 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 you're all trying to grab the same cotter pin or the same goal, but you just keep missing it and stumbling over each other, and finally one hits you in the back of the head with a shovel, and you lose it all together. Come on, somebody. Right? If you continue to look at your current situation from the circumstances of your life you'll always stay critical about your current situation but if you begin to look again and look at it from the place you're seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places your your vantage point of the moment determines your victory in the moment your vantage point of the moment determines your victory in the moment Dale if I keep looking at my life from from a situation of circumstance rather than a situation of Christ my vantage point from Christ determines my victory in Christ Jesus but if I'm only looking at my circumstances from the vantage point of my circumstance then I'll never have the victory that is in Christ Jesus so your vantage point is everything how you see your problem is everything and it's not just called perspective it's called being seated with Christ in heavenly places see you get you you've given too much credit to perspective and not places and he's called us to heavenly places in Christ Jesus and so when I begin to look from heavenly places in Christ Jesus on the current situation of my circumstance I begin to then have hope about the circumstances that I'm going through but if not, you're always going to remain stuck in the middle. So your vantage point of the moment determines your victory in the moment. My question is, will you miss the moment? Will you miss that in your life? When God is trying to show you something, but we're so fixated on the problem, we're missing the promise. We're so fixated. Come on. Right? We're so fixated on myself, I'm missing the miracle that's outside of me. And God wants to change some things in your life. Or will we let the moment bring us into some movement? Will you let the moment that you're in bring you into movement in Christ Jesus? Now listen, King David said it best. 
He was going through things in his life. Just like Mary and Joseph were going through things. It says, the Bible says they went from Galilee to Bethlehem. To do that, you got to go through a valley of Jezreel. David said the same thing. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. And he even prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy that are in this valley that I'm going through. If you recognize the moment, he'll be able to get you into some movement. The question is, will you recognize the moment? And when you recognize the moment, he'll bring you into some movement. Many of us, many of, uh, many of us are, not fro- are, are not frozen on tracks. We're frozen in our tracks because we don't know what to do. We're frozen in our tracks because we don't know what to do because we haven't recognized the moment. And if you don't recognize the moment, Ashley, we'll never get into movement. But God says, I'm trying to show you the moment so I can get you into some movement in every area of your life. And I got good news for you. Even while you're stuck frozen tracks in the moment, while you're worrying about it, God's still working on it. Come on, some of y'all need to celebrate that. Because you came in here worrying about it, but even while you're worrying about it, God's still working on it. God's just trying to get you some movement to get you out of the worrying about it so you can see what he's working on. And so I want to talk to you for just a second about when you recognize the moment, what is God going to do in the moment? He's going to bring you into a place called movement. He's going to bring you into movement in your life. And in the middle of it, you have to stay in motion. The worst thing you can ever do is in the middle of your problem is stop pursuing God. The worst thing you can ever do in the middle of your marriage crisis is stop asking him for advice and start asking him for advice. Right? Come on, somebody. I know I'm preaching good this morning, whether you're clapping or not. Because there's chaos in the middle. Just because I preach on Sunday mornings don't mean there's not chaos in the middle of the week for my family. We go through this stuff. But we've realized that if we stop in the moment because of frozen tracks, we're going to get fixated on us. But if we keep moving through the moments, God can get us to where we're called to be. But we got to trust him with the process even though we don't see the outcome. And so when you're not sure, I challenge you to do this. I want you to look back and see the battles you've won to give you courage for the battle you're about to face. Some of y'all have gone through battles in your life. Some of y'all have gone through marriage battles. You've gone through kid battles. You've gone through financial battles. You've gone through all kinds of battles. But the battle you're facing now seems so overwhelming, you don't know how you're going to keep moving. I'm going to challenge you. Maybe the first move you need to make is not a step forward, but it's to stop and look backwards to see where he's brought you from, see the battle he's brought you through to give you courage to face the battle you're about to go into sometimes the greatest things of movement in your life are not to step forward but it's to stop and praise him looking backwards say you brought me through this lion you brought me through this bear you brought me through this problem and this uncircumcised philistine he's going to be just like one of them you brought me through this marriage crisis you brought me through this kid crisis you brought me through this financial battle and this next season of my life it's going to be a battle but i promise because i'm looking back i now got courage for what i'm going into so i'm looking at the moment and i'm going to get some movement to get me to where I'm going. Sometimes the greatest part about movement is this. It's getting you outside of you so you can see him. 
It's getting you outside of your messed up thinking. It's getting you quitting throwing invitations out there to a pity party that's all about you. Come on, I do it too. Life ain't going good. You're struggling with something. Poor pitiful me. You just walk around like this hoping somebody asks you what's wrong. And nobody's recognizing something's wrong. So I'm going to be a little more pouty and pity party. And I'll even throw a passive aggressive statement out there. Hope somebody will notice me. Come on, I do it all the time too. I mean, I'm human. Y'all are too. I mean, right? Come on. I mean, I got to let this set in just for just a moment. Because in the moment, the reason God wants to create movement is it may not be to overcome the battle, it may be to overcome you, which is the biggest step in overcoming the battle. He's trying to get you outside of you so you can begin to see him. Listen, sometimes he's not trying to, he's really not trying to make a monument out of you. He's trying to create movement in you to first look back and see what you've overcome to see where you're going to, to get you to get traction to where you're going to. Listen to what happened with Paul. Paul says this to the church in Philippi. He's writing to the Philippians in in Philippians chapter 1. And verse 6 says this. Paul says, I am sure of this. And I love that. Because when Paul's sure about something, he's kind of got like a pit bull mindset, right? Like like Paul was stubborn. Right? I'm going to this place and nobody's going to stop me except a storm that crashes me on Malta for three months. But I'm going to get there in the end anyway. Right? He's going somewhere. So, So he says, I am sure of this. That he who began... Thomas, he who started something in you, he who began a good work in you, the one who started you in motion, the one who got you in the moment and started you in motion, he who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it also. But with that, what Paul is saying, God started something in me, and that he started something in me, I'm in the process because I haven't got to the outcome, but it says he who began it, so I'm still somewhere stuck in the middle Paul was stuck in the middle and Paul stuck in the middle was a little bit different than my stuck in the middle Paul wrote Philippians to this for this reason Paul assures the Philippians that his imprisonment Paul is writing this to the Philippians in jail in prison that his imprisonment is actually helping to advance and spread the message of Jesus rather than hindering the message of Jesus And the Philippians sent a person to Paul named Epaphroditus who who came to encourage Paul, but he realized Paul was the one encouraging him. Because Paul realized this, I may be in chains in prison, but prison is not in me. See, some of you may be stuck in a bad place, but if you don't let the bad place get into you, you're eventually going to overcome the bad place because this is why it says Christ in me is the hope of glory. And if you can keep the prison out of you and keep the hope of glory in you, you can be in prison itself, but prison can't be in you, and it'll advance the kingdom of God at a faster rate than ever before. See, this is what I find startling. You can be in poverty, but if you don't let poverty be in you, very soon you're not going to be in poverty much longer. The problem with poverty is not that you're in a financial situation. It's not that you're in poverty. It's that poverty is in you and you can't break it. 
So I'm not sure what all you're going through in this life. But I will tell you this. If you are in prison, the one thing you need to do is not let prison get inside of you. And Paul was chained to prison guards. But you know what Paul did? He said, though I'm chained to this guard... I'm going to look at it as his guard is chained to me. And though I'm chained to him, he's also chained now to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So guess what? I may be in prison, but prison ain't in me. So him and his whole household are about to get saved. And I'm, since I'm in the prison guard of the top person in all the land, guess who's going to be influenced with the gospel of Jesus Christ? So what are you in the middle of? And are you recognizing your moment? Because in the middle of your moment, God wants to create movement. Because when he creates movement, he wants to open up to your life something called momentum. There is a momentum that comes with heaven. A momentum that comes with heaven. And momentum, listen to this, momentum doesn't happen because of the movement, but it happens with a mindset. But you need to get in movement to get outside of yourself so you can get a different mindset of the prison you may be in. So God's whole agenda is trying to get heavenly momentum on your side. But the thing about it is, you're stuck in the moment. And if you don't recognize the moment, you'll never get into movement. And if you don't get into movement, you're never going to get outside yourself to see it from a different vantage point. And then the, the momentum of heaven can never come on your side. Do I need to say that again? Did I say that too fast? Because there are times in my life that I'll stay stuck in a moment. And I'll just stay stuck in the moment. And I'll become a monument of that moment. Until I look up and I begin to see what Jesus is really doing and starting to create movement. And when he creates movement, he'll get me outside of myself. That it's bigger than me. That it may be going slow for me because it's going fast for somebody else. And he's trying to synchronize stuff. The great, I didn't say this first service, but the greatest, the greatest test of your faith is can you trust, trust the timing of God to synchronize your faith with his outcome? The greatest test of my faith is to synchronize my faith with his outcome, knowing that the timing of his outcome is pivotal to being synchronized with my faith. And how do I synchronize the two? To get the momentum of God. And listen, you can be in prison, but prison isn't in you. And if it's not in you, it can't control you. And if it can't control you, it can't contain you. And eventually, it'll be conquered by you. Because it is Christ in you. The hope of glory. And we need to get moving because God is trying to get the momentum of heaven on our side. But he's got to get us outside of the frozen tracks of our mind. And the problem with that is, Romans 12, 1 says, we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And Sandra, this is what that means. I cannot confuse the scene that I'm in with the story that I'm, that, that I'm going through. Okay? Quit confusing the scene with the story. The scene or the chapter that's being written right now is not the ending of the outcome of the book that the author of life is writing about you. It may seem like you're going to die in the moment. I know it doesn't look good on the outside, but here's the problem with our vantage point many times. We see everything from here always looking back because we can't see the future of what's ahead. 
the author who is writing your story isn't worried about the scene that you're going through because he's already written the end of your life and what it looks like. But many of us, Mark, we're getting stuck in the scene when we're missing the rest of the story. And what are you stuck in the middle of? What are you stuck in the middle of? The great thing about the scene that you're going through is you can talk to the author who is writing your story. You can talk to the God of heaven, Lisa. He's writing your story. And I'm not sure what scene you're going through in your life. If you're stuck in the middle of something, if you're stuck in a moment of something, and if you can't get momentum about something, but I'm telling you this, whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not, you can talk to the author who's not only writing the scene, but he's also writing the end of the story at the same time you're going through the scene of your story. And the craziest thing, the most powerful thing of the whole Christmas story is this. Jesus was able to recognize the moment. Jesus was able to recognize the moment. And it wasn't the moment of his birth, Tammy, that he recognized. He recognized the moment of when his death should be. He started telling his disciples about it a couple weeks in advance. Hey, my moment's about to come. I'm recognizing my moment. I know Passover's right around the corner. My moment's about to come. My moment is, is approaching fastly. Let's go to the upper room and have the last supper. My moment's about to be here, but in the moment that he in, he recognized what movement was going to take place if he would go to the moment that he was recognizing. But here's the greatest thing about this sacrifice. Jesus recognized the moment, but his movement, although a step of faith, pulled him away from God to get closer to you. Taylor, his movement, because he recognized the moment, pulled him away from God. Because the Bible said, he who had no sin became sin for us so that our movement, we could become the righteousness of Christ himself. Come on, this is so good. In the moment, he recognized what movement, even though the movement was at his own expense and would cost him his life. And so his movement separated him from God. But then God recognized the moment that the spotless lamb of God died on the cross of Calvary for a population of all mankind that needed a savior because we were all lost in our sinful state of life. And with that moment, God recognized what his son did. And in that moment, he said, I'm not going to let him stay dead forever, but on the third day, I'm going to rise him up again. And in that moment, resurrection power happened. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you if you believe in Jesus Christ to recognize the moment. Come on, somebody. And when Jesus recognized his moment, it ushered in a place for you and for me to recognize our moments. And when Jesus ushered in the movement that he did, it opened the door for all of the momentum of heaven to happen. Because Brandy, this is what it says. The Bible says this, when he breathed his last... The curtain, which is the symbolism of separating God and man, was torn in half from top to bottom. And it separated in that moment. And in that moment, a movement happened that opened all of heaven to come into your life with all the momentum and the power of God for your life 
so you can recognize right here in this service that right now is your moment. It doesn't matter if you're lost and need to be saved or you're just stuck in the middle of a situation. The prayer is the exact same because the term salvation doesn't just mean go to heaven one day. It means a continual perpetual saving out of whatever circumstance that you're in. And it starts with being born again. So if you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, this is your moment to step into a movement, to get the momentum of heaven working with you in your life. And if you're just stuck in the middle of something, Eddie, you may be stuck in the middle of something. I don't know what you could be stuck in the middle of, but the same prayer that got you born again is the same prayer that will get you through your current situation. Because you're calling on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's Lord over death and bringing it to life. He's also Lord over your problem, bringing it to your promise. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand here this morning. And here's how you get moving off frozen tracks. It doesn't matter if you're stuck in the middle or it doesn't matter if you've been stuck for a long time and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. The prayer is the same. So as Jason brings the lights up just a little bit this morning, I want to ask everybody across this auditorium to close your eyes. Online family, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Join us next Sunday for Christmas Sunday. We want to tell you we love you and we want to dismiss you right now. And if you're in this room, right now in this moment, I want you to know that nobody is looking at you. Not online. Not even in here. And I believe there are people in this room who you've been to church a lot, but you've never made a decision truly making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. And I want to give you this opportunity. If you want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to just hold your hand up real high just for a minute. Just hold it up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We got hands going up all over the room. And we believe this at TWBC, that when you pray this prayer of faith, that God's going to come into your life through His Son, Jesus Christ, and become the Lord and Savior of your life as you pray this prayer in just a minute.